Welcome to the Harvest Australia podcast. We trust you'll be blessed by this message from Senior Pastor Marty Manuel. So glad everyone was able to come tonight. And um, I want to, before I share, I want to see if there is three men who are bold enough to come out and share a really brief testimony of some breakthrough that you've received in the last six months, let's say. Some breakthrough that you've received in the last six months. Is there three men who are brave enough to share that? I know that's kind of general a little bit, but um, is there three men who are bold enough to do that? No one's moving. No one's moving. Come on out, Doug. Yeah, that's good. Short? Okay. It's very sweet and simple. Um, just experienced the power of God the last Wednesday month that we met here. Yeah. You were talking about prayer and keys and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, uh, afterwards, I experienced something I'd never had before. And that was I was thinking different when I drove home. And I actually journaled it because it was thinking that I've been taught, but it never was, it wasn't real to me. And um, yeah. So it was, a, it was an actual shift. Stay here. Stay here. I've got a gift for you. <laughs> I didn't say that before, did I? Have you got that book? All right. Now, stay there. Everyone stretch out your hand to Doug. And um, let's pray for him tonight to just receive extra, extra, extra blessing. Lord, we just thank you for him. Thank you for his beautiful family. And Lord, we pray an incredible blessing upon him tonight. We pray that he would receive upgrades from heaven, upgrades in his personal life, in his family life. We pray the covering of Jesus over him, in him, through him. And Lord, we pray you would prosper him, prosper him, prosper his mind, prosper his hands. And Lord, that you would give him fresh revelation, fresh revelation of your goodness. Lord, we pray that the family anointing would be so strong on him, so strong on him. Lord, that you would make him a king, make him a king, make him a king. And we pray that kingly anointing would just ooze all over him tonight, Lord Jesus, with the manifest glory in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, go, Rog. Yeah, the last six months, yeah, it's been uh, quite a journey for me, The last, really the last year, but the last six months has been breakthrough. A lot, I would, I would say, it would be uh, a lot of it's been the teaching and uh, on character and, and then I guess the Holy Spirit uh, conviction and, and I suppose repentance is the word uh, and the renewal that I've been getting, the breakthroughs. And, and really, I've seen evangelism kick up for me and I've seen several people coming to the Lord, people, people from schizophrenia, yeah. now they're not hearing voices uh, and stuff like that. So really, I believe God is, is saying, um, you know, for, for character, plus the move of God, of course, but the character, they look at you when they you evangelize, do you have love, do you, you know, are you real, so to speak, they see that. And so that's, for me, has been a, a great breakthrough, and actually for my family too, but particularly for me. Okay, I reckon that's enough. That's awesome. Which one do you want? You get to pick. Uh, I've got that one, so I'll take that one. Awesome. All right. We can do a trade at the bookshop. I want Jared to come up. Um, yeah, awesome. Give him a round of applause. And um, you know what's quite incredible about what we've noticed um, in, in just connecting with Wayne and Irene is that this house has received a family anointing. And even though, I mean, they haven't really impressed anything or sort of we haven't, there's no signed documents or anything that you get from them. It's just a heart connection when you apostolically align with a family like that. We get to participate. And I know a lot of you know that and you're here and that's what you've received as well. But but one thing that we really saw powerfully represented there and released there was, was sonship. And it's not just a male gender thing. It's, it's a spirit of sonship. 
which we all receive. And, and Jared and I have journeyed through that in the last couple of years. And so he's been bold enough to let me pick him and pull him out the front. Um, and I just want him to share for a couple of minutes on, on you know, what that looked like for you. Is that all right? <laughs> it's a good thing I don't have a problem with public speaking. Um, so this is about a year and a half almost. Yeah, just over a year and a half ago, just after Marty got back from seeing Wayne and Irene, so before they first came. Um, I was in a rut, is the easiest way to put it. Um, I, was, I was cruising, I was fine, and I, I felt like I would have been fine, but I know that I wouldn't have been now because of what's happened. Um, and yeah, I just got to a, a point where everything was just blur. I didn't really like anything, didn't really care about anything. Uh, and then one meeting with uh, Marty, because we did that from time to time, he pursued my heart. And in the process of about an hour, I think it was, I went from, yeah, I don't want it, to, to eventually um, I'd, Marty just kept pursuing my heart in that, in that meeting because he obviously saw something. And um, I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> um, and eventually I felt my heart turning and I was just like, yeah. And then we got to the we got to the ends, and then um, I just went, I just flat out just went, yes, let's do it. Like, and it wasn't just a I'm going to say this because that's what he wants to hear, even though he, technically he wanted to hear what I was feeling, not what the words. Um, and there was just the moment of I didn't even realize what I'd said when I said it, and it wasn't until after I said it that I actually felt the Holy Spirit, and I don't. Well, hadn't in probably over a year at that stage, um, and actually felt what it was like to really be loved, which I had never really fully felt. I thought I had, and because I've been part of the church for a while, and you know, I've had Holy Spirit encounters, but there was this, there was something different about this. There was a, a moment where, I, and I just, I, I broke down and wept. It's the easiest way to explain it. And there was this tender moment where just the Holy Spirit was just there, and. Marty let the Holy Spirit do his thing, and we sat there, I think, for silence for about five minutes, <laughs> which is really cool. There was something about it that was really, really cool. Um, and so, yeah, I called it my heart awakening, because I went from not caring to all of a sudden that the Holy Spirit was there. I was wanting to actually interact with people. I think I was probably noticed it as well. There was a difference with um, the way that people could connect with me, which I'd never had before. Um, and it's a caring thing, and then, yeah, there's been a definite sonship between Marty and myself, and I see him as a spiritual father, and it's been awesome, and that's that. I don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> All right, awesome. I forgot to pray for Roger. Where's Roger? Where's he gone? Come back out here. Let's pray for both of these guys, and stretch your hands out. Come, come close so we can just sort of bless you guys, and Lord, we thank you for Roger and for Jared and what an incredible men they are. And Lord, what a blessing they are to this house and to their families. And Lord, we pray tonight that you would pour out blessing upon them in even surprising ways. Lord, that tonight would unlock fresh doors, new doors, open, open in front of them. Lord, that you would make things easy that have been hard. Lord, that you would prosper them where they haven't even been looking. And Lord, we pray you would chase them down with your love and your goodness and your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. So I feel like I should take up an offering, but maybe if you just turn to someone and give them a quick hug and just chat for a minute, I'll get myself organized, all right? So just do that.
All right, so I want to I want to do a few things tonight, and then we'll just we'll end in prayer. And um, specifically, uh, I want to start by saying tonight that um, yeah, I've titled this one "Men of Honor," but um, I don't want this to be so exclusive that the ladies feel left out. Okay, so even at the end, um, we'll anoint everyone and pray for everyone because I know some like. Some of you are here for your husbands or whatever else, uh, uh, or your husbands to be, or whatever the situation is. You know, cover all the bases. But um, um, yeah, we we want to just really release that. But um, I tell you what's, and probably many of you have realised in the last decade or so, we've had such a moral decline to the point that we can barely even mention male and female now without feeling a little bit like, is that even right? I've even caught myself sometimes, particularly in school environments, maybe a school seminar or, you know, whatever it might be, I'm thinking, is this even okay still in, in the education sector or, you know, whatever the, the realm might be? Because we are so pressured by an agenda which is to still kill and destroy the original calling of a man and a woman. And it's to completely distort it and confuse it so much that a man doesn't know what a man's meant to do anymore and a woman doesn't know what a woman's meant to do anymore. And, and so now we have fluidity between the genders, which is completely opposed to the creation of God. And so tonight I, I want to just clarify some of those things and, and we haven't got time to go into too much detail. So I, I suppose I want to start by saying that, as I said on Sunday, Karen got me a book called The Fair Dinkums and... Um, and uh, as I said, it's, it's really, you know, in World War I, Gallipoli, the famous battle, um, that um, they, they took the Australian troops. Uh, of course, the Australian young men of the time were keen to go and fight. I mean, would you believe that today? They were desperate to get into battle and go and fight for their country. I mean, can you imagine that today? It's so rare to even have that spirit in men today, willing and able and ready to go and fight for the freedom of the nation. You can just see how far we've come from even that in 100 years. We've come that far. And, uh, but that's not really my main point. My main point is that in that particular time, from my reading, the, the guys who went to Gallipoli, the first battalions and the first troops, were actually the cream of the crop because at that time they were very particular on who they took into the infantry. You had to be a certain height, you know, I think it was five foot eight or nine or something like that, which back then was fairly tall. Um, you had to have straight teeth, you couldn't have crooked teeth. Um, you had to have, you know, all your. Uh, you know, everything, fingers and toes and everything straight. And you had to have a certain chest measurement that they approved of. And all these sort of, reg you couldn't have a scar on your body. Not, not a scar. So if you had had an operation or even stitches or something like that, you weren't in that first battalion. You weren't in that first group who went to Gallipoli. And so these guys who went to Gallipoli were the cream of the crop. Scarless, perfect teeth and, uh, you know, right height. Perfect Anglo-Saxon probably, but there were some indigenous Australians in there as well. But when you picture this, these were the guys who went. Now, when they went to Gallipoli, and most of us know the history, they got absolutely slaughtered. They got absolutely slaughtered. And so, and even the papers back here weren't fully reporting, you know, the complete story of how bad it really was. But the message was beginning to come back to Australia by letters and paper that this is not going so well. And so the Fair Dinkums were a, a group of the battalion, uh, I've forgotten what number battalion, 7th or 8th battalion or something like that, group of men whom something like 150, maybe even a, a couple of hundred of them, who actually signed up voluntarily, hearing how bad it actually was, knowing thousands of their colleagues had been slaughtered in Gallipoli and machine guns were just wiping them out. They actually, and they didn't have straight teeth, right? They had already been rejected. But these were the guys who said, okay, I've been rejected, but I still want to go and fight for my nation. I'm hearing what's happening out there. They're being slaughtered out there. And they signed up and they still went. And then actually there were some victories won subsequent to that. And we won't go into that. But this, and they were then titled the Fair Dinkums. The guys who went first up were called the Originals. 
And so we, we have this image of the fair dinkums who were, and even this terminology, you know, it's, it's Australiana now, isn't it? If you're fair dinkum, but now you know where that comes from, that really originates. If you're fair dinkum, you're willing to go, you know, to the stake for something. You're willing to, to really fight for something. And the spirit of a fair dinkum Aussie male is under attack. Now, the spirit of a fair dinkum Aussie female is under attack as well. So it goes both ways. But I want to just tackle this thing for men because I think that there's a, an anointing that's released when a man knows who he is and who he is and how he is to operate as a man of honor before the Lord then it actually releases upon females to know rightly who they are in the creation of God. And they're not lesser. They're not lesser. They're not more. They are equal. But when men, as particularly in Australia, I mean, you know, we don't have Donald Trump to sort of be like in Australia and look at a guy who's perhaps the other extreme, okay? And I'm not endorsing him. But what I'm saying is, you know, a guy like that just gets shot down in Australia and he doesn't go anywhere. Now, he's probably got too much of per perhaps something. But you, as soon as you see someone in Australia, like a Tony Abbott, who's actually willing... Now, I don't care where you stand politically tonight. The man has morals, he has integrity, and he's willing to stand by them. And, and a man like that, the media can't stand a man like that. Because all of a sudden, he doesn't compromise. The media loves people who compromise. Compromise, compromise, compromise. And, and so we, even in Christianity, us men, have begun over the last decade, two decades, begun to feel guilty about standing in our manhood. And so tonight I want to just uh, draw some clarity for us as men because actually uh, from what I can feel that actually this releases a fresh authority on women too. Because when men know who they are, women know who they are. And I know for Karen and I, that it's been a real journey. I mean, it's 19 years and we're still working this stuff out. Some of you might say it's 40 years and I'm still working it out. But, um, but for us, for us, it's been a real journey when, when she has released and honoured me and I've released and honoured her, it, it's a fresh anointing for us both. And so when we as men know who we are and how that, and I suppose I, I use that fair dinkum um, language so that you can understand the men who have gone before us have carried something that not many of us carry. We feel guilty about being fair dinkum Aussie. We feel guilty, and, and I don't know if you feel like this sometimes, but it, there's such an onslaught. Look at the gender confusion going on right now. It's rife. It's all over the place. I've come to the conclusion that we're actually at the stage where we realize that we're in a battle and the LGBT TQIPZY and all this sort of stuff, they're, they're so on a rampage. They're so on a rampage to tear down gender. And it begins with Lucifer. It begins with the deceiver because the deceiver came in the garden, as Chad, you know, the other week so well explained. He came actually to separate and to highlight the differences and to see if he can split the marriage. If he can split the marriage and if he can make them question and they actually, you know, we know more now, now we're educated and now we're enlightened. Now we're enlightened. We don't need God as much because now we know what God knows. And that's what this spirit of the age is doing. It's trying to infiltrate so much even in the church so that men don't know how to be in right authority anymore because it's sometimes it's just easier to maybe let women be in authority because actually they're really passionate and they go for it and they'll just do it out of that passion and that drive that, that they have. And to be honest, there's nothing wrong with that. But when it becomes a moral dilemma and a, and a, a dilemma of our age, I think that's when we need to address it. And so does that make sense tonight? That's why I'm raising this and, and we can do a, a, a women's one in, in a while. I don't know if I'm the best to talk on that, but but I want you to know it's, this is not just a thing to just single out and all of a sudden make men dominators of the world and all this sort of stuff. It's something that actually a lot of women that I talk to and share with and when Karen and I share, this is a needed discussion in churches because men are feeling guilty about being in authority. They're feeling guilty about being in authority in their own homes. And yet the Bible clearly says the man is the head of the home. Now, if you say that, the advertiser will quote me as being a lunatic that's how far we've come. And yet 100 years ago with the fair dinkums, that was absolute common knowledge. The man was the head of the home. 
It was just everyday common knowledge. And so I suppose there's some of that fair dinkum Aussie um, strength that I want to um, encourage you guys with tonight. And I, I know the ladies that are here are with me, right? So it's, there's, no, there's no resistance tonight. But it's, it's important that we get this because I think the church is missing a male boldness. A church is, our church, not just our church, but the church in this nation is missing those who are willing to rise up, lead their homes, encourage their families, lead the next generation. I'm faced with that right now. George, my oldest, is 15. He's taller than me. He's almost stronger than me. He's working out, so in six months, he's going to be stronger than me. And it's intimidating, you know. Don't tell him that, youth guys. Don't tell him that. But he's beginning to know it, actually. But but I'm seeing that I need to be able to show him how to operate in God's authority. Otherwise, I'm telling you, this next generation have no idea. They have no idea. They don't even know if it's okay to be a male. They don't even know if it's okay to say male and female anymore. They, I mean, it's an onslaught, isn't it? And so that's why I'm addressing this tonight. And um, I want us to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, if you're okay with that. Ephesians chapter 5, and I'll read from verse 22. And um, yeah, this is, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, explaining a whole lot of things to the Ephesians church. And, and uh, he's laying out some, some real clarity and practical examples about the Christian walk and following Jesus. And, um, and, then, and then he starts off in verse 22 saying, Wives, be subject to your own husbands. As to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be ought to be to their husbands in everything. Now this is the important part. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. Just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Um, This is uh, a really interesting passage because it floats in between talking about Jesus and the church and that relationship and then husbands and wives. And so there's almost a, a, a mixture of both themes th- flowing through this and you, ca- you almost can't part the two because they're, they're both speaking about both. And the interesting part about this is we could highlight wives submit yourselves to the husband. He's the covering of the, of the wife and the family and I believe that to be true. And again, if we were to say this, if this were recorded and t- today, tonight got hold of this, they would literally think we're a cult. They, they would think literally that's how far society has come when we cannot even in truth and in love and as nicely as we can put it, and you know, when you try to package it so nice, you know, they still don't receive it. They still don't receive it. But this is biblical truth. This is biblical truth. And when we get that installed into our hearts and minds, then we, need the, where, then we read the next bit. And we read, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her or laid his life down for her. And this is one of the big keys that I know for Karen and I has unlocked absolute release in our marriage. And This is about mutual honor. 
honoring one another mutually. And so there were restrictions in our marriage because of past things that we'd maybe done to each other or uh, particularly, you know, for me it might have been financial things where Karen uh, was a bit cautious of, oh, what's he going to do now, you know, to lose us all our money? And so there was a hesitancy there, and rightly so, maybe. Um, but again, when we went to Germany, you know, Irene, Irene just spoke with such apostolic authority to Karen and I. And she said to Karen, I can't even remember the exact words, but just said, no, release your husband. Release your husband to go and do that. It's on his life. If he makes mistake, let it be on his head. But release him and allow him to go and do that. And I tell you, it just the lights went on. And this is the blessing of leadership and honor and apostolic anointing that flows. When that truth comes into our lives and we see it and we receive it, it's like it changes everything. And for me, then I honor her in certain areas where perhaps I've been a bit restrictive or even hesitant of her. And so mutual releasing and mutual honor is so powerful. And it might be that one has a slipstream that you're a little bit like, oh my goodness, like, what is that? And, you know, so you work that through. But maybe it's a, maybe it's a blockage in your marriage. Maybe it's a blockage in your marriage. And I know some of you aren't married here tonight, but you, know, you receive this and you hear this as truth and you can help others with this or you can wait till later or whenever it's relevant, this will become relevant. But I think that this passage is so important because if we really understand this, then men realize that actually, which came first, the church or Jesus laying down his life? The church we know of as the New Testament church, I mean, not just the people of Israel. Well, Jesus came that we may have life and more abundantly. He came, he laid down his life for the church. He did that, and then Pentecost came later, didn't it? About 50 days later. And then we see the church born out of Pentecost. So first, the husband, Christ, lays his life down. It's not a matter of us actually dominate and say, okay, wife, now do this for me. Now, these days you won't even get away with that anyway, so it just, it just doesn't even get close. But, and fair enough, you know. But, but if we can get this, if we can get this, it unlocks authority for both. It unlocks authority for both. Because when we as males realize that actually laying my life down re- means releasing life to her, releasing life to her in loving authority, then we can actually release our wife. We can actually release our family because we're actually taking up the cross of Christ in our own physical bodies, in our lives, in our marriages. And so the cross is becoming a reality. It's not something we believe anymore. We're actually living it. And, and most of us know that it's actually a lot harder to live than just read it, especially in marriage. Because, you know, there's tension sometimes and there's, you know, maybe disagreements or annoyances and the feelings become bigger than the truth. But then we have to get back to the truth and say, truth is bigger than what I'm feeling right now. And so I suppose my call to us as husbands, as men, as future husbands is to really recognize and think of this when you, whenever you think of this again, um, think of the fair dinkum Aussie spirit. The Aussie spirit. See, we began in con- con- as convicts, right? We began as convicts some few hundred years ago. But we're not convicts now, but some of the nation and the male spirit over Australia still lives like we're convicts. Still, still has that hesitation and, oh, no, I, I just want to, you know, keep safe or maybe just have enough when we're meant to have an abundance and we're meant to have a, a, a free-flowing freedom. And you can see this in the difference between, say, the U.S. and Australia. In the U.S., you only have to just hear U.S. people speaking and there's, there's a boldness and there's a stamina and there's, a, there's an authority that they carry. Now, I'm not saying they're perfect, but what I'm saying is sometimes we've got to realize that our, um, our shyness and our judging of those who are strong is actually a scapegoat for lethargy. It's a scapegoat for lethargy. It's not actually humble to stay silent when there's things going on that we should be speaking up about. That's lethargy. And, you know, if you, if you 
go to, if you read John Eckhart's books on deliverance, he'll, he'll cast demons out of men with lethargy. I'm not saying every man who has lethargy has demons. But what I'm saying is the end game of lethargy is to rob men of their authority, rob men of their energy and their passion and their will to be fair dinkum Aussie men and rise up in the spirit and the calling and the destiny that we have as men. And, you know, if, if we don't do it, it does force women to do it. And women will do it from what I can see and what I've learned. Women will do it because there's a fight and there's a passion in a lady that generally that actually will rise up. But women weren't meant to do it on their own. We're meant to be helpmates. We're meant to help each other. And so one will hear, one will see. And it's different in different couples and different churches and arrangements and everything like that. But there's eyes and ears and hands and all the senses. We need all those senses. But this nation has been robbed and it feels guilty and it's been suppressed by an agenda which is demonic. And it's to rob the male spirit from men because the enemy hates authority. He hates authority. And he's the king of divorce. He started it in the garden, and he's still going today. But he doesn't end at divorce. And the, and the Bible says, and we can see it throughout Scripture in Leviticus, and then we can see it again in the New Testament, that, that Paul says that we will inherit in our bodies the actual outworking of sin when it comes to homosexuality, when it comes to a man and a man lying together and a woman and a woman. We were, and you can see it all over the nation. You can see the AIDS disease. You can see now gender confusion. You can see transgender. And like I said, all those acronyms and numbers and letters. And, you know, like Michael Brown says, soon some people are going to be identifying as a zucchini. And we will have to respect that. You laugh now, but you watch. It's getting that crazy. There's a guy who identifies as a dragon in the U.S. right now. He's got little plastic horns and, and tattoos like a dragon. He has, and you, you have to obey if you're in the right political correct arena, that he identifies as a dragon. But this is the lunacy that Lucifer wants mankind to adopt and to accept. And if we accept it into the church, it will pollute us like Babylon. It will absolutely destroy us because it will rob us of that that clarity of gender gifting and talents and calling that women have and that passion and that life and that worship and that freedom that the spirit of a woman carries and that authority and that love and that warrior that a man carries. I know that's a stereotype, but I'm just, just you know, allow me that tonight, right? Because I, I think that there's, there hasn't been enough spoken about this, right? And so I think it's really important that we recognize there's a lack and lethargy is not okay. Lethargy is not okay. I tell you, you know, every single petition, I, I've, I've got a secret for you. I don't think we have to storm the steps of parliament to get our voice heard when it comes to this whole gender issue and all that sort of stuff. I sign and write letters every time I possibly can. And social media is so powerful. It's so powerful. They're watching this stuff all the time now. I did one for La Trobe University last week, 20-minute survey on the gay pride match that they're having next year, the AFL are having between Sydney and Collingwood, I think it is. I, I filled out every extreme, <laughs> you know, totally disagree answer to every single thing they had. And, and I want to challenge you men, do it. And if you don't do it for yourself, do it for your kids. If you don't do it for your kids, do it for your neighbor's kids. If you don't do it for them, do it for grandkids or do it for anyone you know because now is the time that we rise up, even in this region, even in this region. It's so powerful, the authority we carry as the body of Christ. But the male fair dinkum Aussie spirit is too quiet. It's too quiet. And I mean, if it wasn't, I wouldn't even say all this stuff. It wouldn't even be needed. And I don't even feel the need to so much even address it on a female level because I don't think there's the same silence there. But there's a silence with the fair dinkum Aussie spirit of a Christian man who know who he, knows who he is, who reads the word of God in every time we possibly can because we've settled for second best. We've said it's okay to sleep in for two weeks and not read the Word of God. Let me tell you, when you do that, you give in to lethargy. 
And if you've done that for a few years, maybe you do need a demon cast out of you of lethargy. But it's not okay. When we give way to that, we're actually giving way to the enemy and saying, okay, you can have my kids. Okay, you can have them. You can confuse them. Uh, it gets really real when you have kids at this age, right? And, and I could see it so clearly as the kids are getting older and even, you know, being um, so influential with Southern Vales. You can look across the kids and those of you who work in Southern Vales, you'll see this. You can look across the classroom and it's like, wow, there is such a need for right family anointing in our kids' lives. Most of the problems stem from broken families, most of the problems, the, the insecurity, the inhibitions, the hurt, homosexuality, all this sort of stuff stems from broken families. And it's what the devil wants to bring about. And he wants to bring about in churches as well. So we have to be on the lookout. We have to know that the enemy is prowling around. He's prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour. And so if we can rise up in this, and, and I want to challenge men tonight, be the first ones to be praying over your home. Don't let your wives or your mum be the one who's known as the prayer of the family. Because, I mean, that's good. And mums will continue to do that and wives will probably continue to do that. But I want to challenge you. And if you're not married yet, then begin now. Because it actually gets harder when you get married. <laughs> you know, yeah. But I want to give you three quick areas and then I want to finish and pray. Um, uh, I've spoken enough about the first one. It's really lead spiritually. Men... And a real generalization, men in Australia have forgotten how to be fair dinkum Aussie spiritual leaders. And the first calling is the apostle of the home. The first calling is the apostle of the home. The apostle to stand in authority, in love, and authority does not mean control. If you think authority means control, then we just want to dispel that tonight. Authority is right alignment and blessing on anyone that we have influence over. And so it's, it's completely the opposite to control. Completely the opposite to control. It's actually, the, it's actually releasing. I mean, who of us would say, oh, Jesus is so controlling? But he is the head of us. He's given us life and more abundantly. And so that's what we are to flow to our families, flow to our wives. It's the same thing Jesus did the church. We lay down our lives for our wives and we release blessing on them, not control. It doesn't mean that they do everything they want to do and tell us everything that, that they want us to do. No, that's not right either because there's right alignment. And that fair dinkum Aussie spirit needs to kick in sometimes and say, actually, as a family, this is what we're going to do. And that's got to be okay. And, you know, Karen and I have talked about that and we've said, okay, so what if... What if me as the head of the home, what if I get it wrong? Well, then let it be on my head. Let it be on my head. I'm not talking about a million-dollar deal. We do that in unity. But if there's, if there's something, a call that we need to make as a family, and at the end of the day I make the call, if I get it wrong, let it be between me and Jesus. In trust, empower, and know who we are. But if we're not in Jesus, watch out, because if we get it wrong, we're stuffed. It's going to be arguments for months, right? Lead spiritually. Pray, intercede over your family. The Lord really challenged me this when Karen was going through burnout. I'm sitting here, go, you know, thinking, how on earth did this even happen to us? How on earth did this happen to us? And I actually then, instead of blame shifting, and oh, it's all these dramas and situations. Of course, all of that had an effect. But then I took it personally and said, hang on, forget blame shifting. What about my part in this? What about my part in this? Was I covering her? Was I covering our family? Was I praying? Was I reading the Word of God over our family, praying you know, over our area or whatever it might have been, because these are important things for a man to be doing in his home. Praying, seeking the Lord, leading spiritually. If you don't do it, there will be a void in you. There will be a void in your wife. She will try to fill it, but it will frustrate her. And so it will frustrate both of you. And, then if it, and, and then even if you manage to band-aid that, okay, it will come out in your kids. That frustration will come out in your kids, either through rebellion or completely turning away from the Lord. Because authentic Christianity breeds. But so does counterfeit. It breeds. I, I, I've said this before. I can hear the kids sometimes saying comments like sort of manual phrases, right? And so I'm like, oh, where did they get that from? I don't say that very often, but I realize, wow, they just pick it up. 
it breeds. This stuff breeds. And if we lead spiritually, it gets bred into our family and into our homes. That's so important. Honor one another's strengths. I've already talked about that, but it is such a breakthrough. It might be that tonight you recognize some of those key areas in your husband or in your wife. And if you're single, that's okay. Then I, I take this for yourself as a, a real learning experience how the body can even work together. Because first we have Jesus and the church, and then we have husbands and wives. But then we have interrelationships rightly and honorably in the family of God. So we actually learn how authority works in the family of God because we don't want to be independent and we don't want to be codependent, but we want to be interdependent on the family of God. And so honoring one another, and particularly with husbands and wives in a relationship like that, actually honoring the manhood and the authority and the gifting that he is called to and he honoring the authority and calling and gifting that she is called to will release anointings for you both. It releases the Karen and I, I mean, it's that simple for us. Irene saying to Karen, release him. Now, there's so much authority in just that transaction, and we've submitted our hearts to them, so that makes it goes a big way to actually releasing that. But just like Jared shared tonight, it was, yeah, it was a struggle for a little while, <laughs> I'll be honest. You know, we're, we're toing and froing, and, and I'm sort of saying, okay, let, let's do this. Let's do this journey of sonship. And, and all of a sudden, that heart revelation turns on, only takes a decision, and then bang, the spirit of sonship is released. And it's the same thing in our marriages. And I know for me that, you know, in business, it's funny because what was a frustration, and I was wanting to do other business things, when Karen released me from any restrictions, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm con- gone all conservative, and I don't even want to do so many anymore. So it's actually freed her and freed me. It frees both of us when we release honor, Honor in one another and our callings and our giftings, even if it annoys you. You know, and, and I suppose Karen did that by faith. She did that by faith, but it really released something. So honoring those strengths in one another is so powerful. And um, uh, probably the final thing, and I've already covered this a little bit, that it's so important that us as Aussie Christian men don't give up our God-given authority. We have a God-given authority. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But as an Aussie Christian man, young men, older men, middle-aged men. (laughs) I don't know, what are we, Russ? We're middle-aged, yeah. (laughs) Because of the pressure of the spirit of the age, because the spirit of the age right now is trying to tear down any authority that's right and godly and and instituted by the Lord. And so we need to recognize it for what it is. It's a lie from the pit of hell. We have a God-given authority as an Aussie male to stand rightfully for our families, to stand rightfully for the church. And I'm not saying with picket forks and signs and placards and all that sort of stuff. (laughs) Who knows? But what I'm saying is, firstly, for yourself, knowing the authority you carry, you carry, God has given you a mantle as a man. He's given you a mantle as a man, a man of God. And it is to first and foremost have an intimate relationship with the Father. See, authority doesn't work if we aren't sitting under authority. We can't expect our wives to be under our authority if we're not under authority. And when we are rightly under authority, when we're reading the word of God, when we're praying, when we're seeking the Lord, one thing that I've done for three years now, not every day, but most days, you know, maybe eight days out of 10, I would say, I pray blessing and releasing over Karen. Pray for her every every morning I can possibly think of. Pray for that. Pray for our kids and releasing blessing and honor over them as the rightful authority. There's nothing like a man taking authority in the house. If you've got demonic activity going on, there's nothing like a man saying, enough is enough. I'm going through this house. I'm cleaning this house out and I'm going to stand as the man. The devil is not going to have any sway in my house. I am going to clean this ship. And we've done that before. Ship. Thank you. Take it however you need it. 
this is, it's the most important part because authority doesn't work if we're not under it. It doesn't work if we're not under it. Jesus said to, said to the, uh, the soldier that you know the lineage of authority, therefore you go and, and your servant's going to be healed. This, he knew the lineage and the blessing of authority. And therefore, instantly, it released miraculous supernatural provision. And it's the same thing in our families. If you've got strongholds, if you've got things, if you've got patterns, if you've got things in your family or your relationship that just aren't working out, don't blame shift. Have a look at yourself. Have a look at what's not going on. Have a look at the prayer life. Have a look at the authority that you carry. Have a look at maybe what you've settled for or let your wife carry and you should be actually carrying as the man and you should actually be standing up and saying, no, it's not okay. I've watched you seek the Lord for 20 years for our kids. It should have been me. It should have been me. And so this is, I know that's a challenging point, but it's so important in this time and this season and this is almost, I don't, proclaimed to be a prophet, but you watch in the next few years, this message, it, it's, it's, there's a war on against this message. There's a war on against this message. And you look at the division, you look at the strife in our society, and a lot of it comes back to the father and the mother not knowing who they are, the breakdown of marriage, the breakdown of family, the breakdown of, of a man knowing who he actually is. And I mean, it's really sad. It's really sad. And so, for us as Christian men to know who we are and to know how to stand in right authority and to actually take ground and to release honor and blessing over our wives, over our households. And when things aren't going wrong, it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. You know, as CEO of my organization, it wasn't okay for me to blame the junior guy on the shop floor. Because if, work, if there's an incident and work cover come out and do a little inspection on my shop floor, we had a guy crush a finger once. Praise God, that was about the worst incident we ever had. But he crushed a finger. He didn't lose it. But he crushed it. Work cover come out. They don't want to really know what's happening on the shop floor. They come straight to the CEO because they know the lineage of authority and they know who they need to get to. And it's exactly what the enemy does. He tries and works all these little ways, maybe in the kids and in the family, the marriage, the home and finances or whatever else. But the first thing we need to do as fair dinkum Aussie men is look at ourselves. Is there a breakdown in my intimacy with the Father? Is there a breakdown in my authority and my relationship with the commander-in-chief? Because if there's a breakdown there, there's a breakdown there. And then it doesn't matter even if you know, my wife is doing something wrong, the kids are doing wrong. I need to take responsibility and say, this ship is not aligned. This house is not in order because I'm not in right authority with my commander-in-chief, with my Lord and Savior. And if I haven't got things right, of course things are going to be going wrong because things get wobbly when authority is not rightly aligned in a house. Same in the church, same in an organization. Ryan used a great example the other day. said he went into a cafe and there were obviously a few maybe junior people on and I'll give it my slant to make it sound better, Ryan, so just bear with me. But anyway, went in there and, and obviously they weren't quite sure about what they're doing and there's you know, maybe a little bit of panic on. And, um, and so Ryan's standing there going, oh, okay, there's obviously no one in charge here. This is sort of, I'm waiting and people are sort of getting a bit frustrated and he leaves because there wasn't right order and right authority in that cafe. And so you don't even feel comfortable anymore, really, that everything's going to be all right. We all need to flow in the alignment of the kingdom of heaven because it's a kingdom, not a democracy. It's a kingdom. It's a kingdom. And the king has domain over us, and he has domain over our house, but then he releases a lineage of blessing throughout the kingdom of God. And we carry the kingdom of heaven. And if we carry the kingdom of heaven, it's going to look like the king's domain. And we have a king. And kings normally have an order and a lineage that he knows and he orders. And he says it here in Ephesians 5. Husbands, lay down your lives. You're the head of the family of the wife. But lay down your lives for your wife. And I'll extend that. For your families like Jesus did to the church. And it is a release of anointing. It's a release of a family anointing. And that's what the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy, the family anointing. Because he didn't stop just at marriages, did he? I mean, 70s, 80s, 90s, it, divorce was the big issue. 
90s, 2000s, now homosexuality, gender is the big issue. So he just keeps getting more and more depraved as the generations go on. You can see where this thing's going, right? We're back to Sodom and Gomorrah. it, It just keeps getting more and more depraved. And that's exactly what happens. And so I want to encourage you guys, start speaking out. Start speaking out for the, for the rights of marriage. Get a bit bold. Go and see the politicians. Make an appointment with them. Tell them that you're pissed off with the fact that they are making laws on your behalf. Your be- you voted them in. You voted them in. Why haven't you gone and seen them and told them how annoying it is that your kids are going to have to put up with gay marriage as a phenomena because you were silent? It's a big issue. It's a big issue. And I know that's kind of confronting tonight, but I've got, I'm using some shock factor to shake you up a little bit. And we'll delete that from the podcast, okay? <laughs> but I want to stir enough of you up to know that, um, believe me, I've met with the politicians. They're not, they're not anything special. They are not anything special. In fact, no, I won't even say that. <laughs> you, you, re, you, know, you know what I'm about to say. Very normal people, like you or I, maybe not even as smart as half of you guys, but they're, they're filling shoes, and as long as enough people support them, they're in. But it's you and I who have a voice. It's you and I who can sign the petitions. It's you and I. I remember when there was, a, there was an advert for hair gel, which I happened to use, and one minute the guy turns to the girl, kisses the girl, then he turns to a guy and kisses the guy. The second I saw that, I wrote into every single relative. I wrote into the company and said, I would never buy your shares, even though I didn't have any of their shares. I said, I'll never buy your shares, and I'm going to tell everyone I know never to buy your shares. And, and I said the same thing about the, cha- I can't remember what channel it was, but I think there was a few channels. I wrote into them and I said, I will now stop. And I wrote into the company actually again. And so I'm never using your product. I'm exactly the perfect Metro guy that you're trying to sell to. And you've just put me off your product. I'll never use it. And I'll tell everyone not to buy your product. We've got a voice. We've got a voice. Start using it. Don't settle for lethargy. Lethargy is exactly what the enemy wants us as the fair dinkum Aussie to settle for. He wants us in lethargy, but it's not okay. It's not okay. Does that sound okay? All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys. If you ever want a good rev up on this, listen to some David Hogan or some Rodney Howard Brown. Okay. I, I'm serious. If, if you ever want encouragement in... Now, now these guys, are, they're, they're, they're strong, okay? They're strong. And some people would take them the wrong way. But if you ever need a little dose of spiritual manhood, then listen to some guys who carry it. I mean, we're all on about good sermons and encouragement and everyone's doing an amazing job and, and that's good. But we need to have a clear voice of the spirit of a male man standing on authority, right alignment in the church. It it can't just be compromised for everyone and everything because that's actually not God's order. And so maybe listen to some of those guys and listen to what they're saying. And there's an authority that they carry that actually blesses women, releases women, and brings an incredible alignment in the family of God. And I, I really believe that's... That's what Wayne and Irene carry. You, you saw it. I mean, in a way, Irene's the one who shares more publicly, but they have an honor and, and a respect for one another that releases that family anointing. And, and that's what we really need to carry. Thanks for joining us on the Harvest Australia podcast. For more information and events in the life of Harvest Australia Church, please visit harvestaustralia.org.